0: Last week, we talked about um, that uh, funny little story in 2 Kings um, about Elisha, and uh, I'm just going to read that to you again. It says this, 2 Kings 13. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness of which he died, and Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and so he did. Take the bow in your hands, and he said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot, and the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans of Apec. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated a ram and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat it three times. Elisha died and was buried. So we have this, this quirky little story right in the middle. And we were talking last week about how he, Elisha was reminded on his deathbed in the weakest moment of his life who he was. You were a mighty man, Elisha. And that God would remind us who we are. Talked about how we need to walk out of the things that are in our past, both good and bad, and we need to be determined and walk forward. And then lastly, where, where, how do we go further? In You know, Uh, That 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 king was told off because he didn't bang the he he didn't have enough zeal and enough passion and enough longing for the defeat of his enemies. And yet, uh, Elisha said, "If you had banged those arrows more, if you had banged them more, you would have seen more happen." Where is it in our lives that we just need to keep persevering and keep saying, "God, we want more. We want to see more happen." Uh, Today, we're going to think about what are we aiming for? Where are we going? What are we aiming for? Now, with an arrow, there are four things. There are four bits that make up an arrow, okay? The first bit that makes up the arrow is called the shaft, and that's like the long bit, okay? Sometimes it's made of aluminium. It's always made of something strong and something flexible, Okay, so the shaft, the spine, it's also called the spine, needs to be strong, but it can't just be, it can't be strong and brittle, it needs to be strong and flexible, otherwise it will break as it goes out from the bow, because the bow uh, needs it to have some sort of flexibility as it shoots from that bow. And so it is with us, in our lives, you know, we need that strength in God, but we need to be flexible. We need a flexibility. Sometimes I make Christians and people just in general who are completely inflexible. They can't they, they have decided that this is what they think and this is their opinion and that's what it's going to be and they're not going to move from that. And we need sometimes to have some flexibility in the ways that we think, the ways that we talk, the ways that we process. None of us have it all sorted out. How do we be flexible in our thinking How, but, not, but, but not lose that core strength? that core strength that says, this is where I'm heading, that strength in us. And of course, that strength, where does that strength come from? It comes from God. It comes you, you have a strength in your very core because you. there is no other way. You spend time with God. You walk with God. That's how strength comes. That's how when the bad times come, you don't you don't get shaken, of course, because you've walked with God in the good times as well. And so there's a strength that comes from just walking with God and, and a flexibility. Um, and that's so important for us. The second thing that an arrow has is fletchlings. That's, you know, like the little bit of feathers on the on the end of the arrow. They're called fletchlings. And uh, fletchlings are tiny details there. You would think, why do you need fletchlings? That's an interesting thing. They're for accuracy and they're for stability. They keep that arrow going to the place it's meant to go. They keep it accurate and they keep it stable. They keep it in that place where it needs to be kept in order to meet its target. And so for us, I was thinking, for me, for you, what are the details in our lives? What are the details that we sometimes think, oh, that's not important, or never mind about that. What are the details that we, that we need to pay attention to in our lives that will keep us accurate, going for God, and keep us stable? You know, sometimes we'll think things like, oh, it doesn't matter if you're late on a Sunday. It doesn't matter if you're late somewhere. It does matter. It matters. It matters. It matters if we're late. It shows something about our hearts when we're late. It says, I'm not really that interested in being there on time. That's what it says, It ma- those details matter. What are the details in our lives that maybe we've just pushed aside? Maybe we think, oh, that doesn't matter, but that does matter. There are things, the way that we talk to people, emails that we write maybe, um, the way that we talk to the people that are nearest and dearest to us, They may be little details in our lives, but they matter, they matter. What are the details in your life and my life that matter, that we've somehow discounted? Those are the fletchlings. Then the third thing is the arrowhead. There are many different arrowheads. They are always sharp, because without being sharp, they do not fulfill their purpose. If you have a blunt arrowhead, It's not going to go into a tree or wherever you want that arrow to go to. It's not going to meet the target unless it's sharp. So it's sharp so that it fulfills its target. There are lots of different kinds of arrowhead, but they are sharp to fulfill a purpose. Are we sharp? Am I sharp? And by sharp, I mean, okay, where is my attention right now? Where is my, is my attention? Could I honestly say that 2019, my attention is fully on God, fully on what he wants, fully on where he wants me to go. I'm sharp. My focus is, can I say my focus is sharp? It's not all fuzzy. I can, I, my attention is completely on God. You know that um, when, Uh, when when I had small children and I would go round to coffee with somebody and I'd be talking to them and your child really wants your attention, you know, and they're a bit bored with you chatting away. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but your child like grabs your face, like so that you look at them uh, because they want your attention. Um, I don't think God does, uh, I think, I don't think God grapples for our attention. I think that other things grapple for our attention. Other things are saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, do this, do that, do the other. But where is our attention? We have a choice where we put our attention. We have a choice whether we are, are looking at God, looking into his face and, and or we've got a choice as to whether we're actually very concerned about this over here and this over here and this relationship over here. What are we giving our attention to at the very beginning of 2019? It says in Proverbs, "Iron sharpens iron." When we're together, we sharpen each other up. We sharpen each other. But when we're together today, what what are we doing? We're sharpening each other up. We're saying, look, let's focus. Let's give our attention to God. That's what the arrowhead does. And the last thing that an arrow has is called a knock. And that's the little indentation at the end of the arrow where that holds it in position with the bow. And uh, uh, the knock is to hold an arrow in position, It's to hold it in that place. How easy it is for us to get distracted. What things have we put in place in our lives so that we stay in position, so that we stay in that place. I think church is often that place. It helps us stay in position, all right? When when you're reminded every week, hopefully this is what, reminded every week, who you are, who God is, it helps you stay in position. Um, that Your friendships could do that. There could be somebody that you're accountable to that helps you stay in position to go where you need to go. We all need that. So those are four things in an arrow I've just been thinking about and reflecting on and thinking, how can I apply those things to my life? But then I was thinking this as well. Okay, we all need an aim. Everybody needs to, we need, what is our aim? What is our aim as a church? What is our aim as a individuals, what are we aiming for? What are we going for? Um, There are some, some of us are going for maybe becoming fitter this year or uh, lots of different aims that we may have in our lives. We may be aiming to pray more. We may be aiming to do more things. There are some people that haven't even thought about what they're aiming for and that's alarming as well because we need to be aiming for something. We need to be going for something going in a, in a direction. And then, of course, what is our strategy is the other thing. Um, we all need a strategy. Sometimes we talk a lot in church about dreams and things that could happen, but we don't... What? Where do we have a strategy. A strategy says, how are we going to get, what are we actually going to do to get from A to B? What's our strategy going to be? Um, what, what are the plans that we're going to have? Um, I've heard that people say, you know, our dreams without strategy is just delusion. You never get there. You need to have a strategy as to what, how you're going to get to that place. I'm going to tell you a story about gin. Um, now, this isn't because I like gin. I've never ever tasted it, actually. But, um, I, I don't, and I'm not endorsing gin, okay? But I'm telling you this story because it's got a great meaning to it. Um, somebody told me, me this the other day. Um, back many many years ago hundreds and hundreds of years ago gin was made it's very easy to make out of juniper berries I'm told and uh, it was very easy to make and lots of different people were making it and gin actually became so cheap that it was cheaper than water for people and there were Pictures of ladies, uh, you know, feeding their children with gin bottles in their hands. And so they realized that they needed to do something about gin because it was far too easy to drink and get hold of. So they passed a law. And the law was passed that you could only make gin. You couldn't make gin privately by yourself in small vats. It had to be made in enormous vats. It had to be made in massive vats that most people could never access. And so as a result of this, um, up until I think about 2008, gin was only made in two distilleries in the UK. And so they were the only places that you could make gin and the only places that you could uh, purchase gin from because they were massive distilleries. Now, what happened was some people became passionate about gin and they became passionate about they wanted to make gin and they couldn't because they didn't want these big distilleries. They didn't want that big thing. They wanted the little thing. So they, um, what they did was they had a passion for gin And they really wanted to experiment with flavours and things like that. But what they had to do was they had to change the law because the law said you couldn't. So what they did was this group of people became experts in the law and they became experts in politics and lobbying for the law to change. And they became passionate about that. So they changed their skills from gin makers to law Makers and their strategy so they didn't just say we'd love to make gin, what a shame we can't. They said we're going to change this, and this is the strategy we're going to go and we're going to become lawyers and we're going to become um, politicians and we're going to change the law. In 2009, they did change the law, and that is why people now, you uh, well, you can get by gin in from lots of different places because you can now make it in smaller quantities. Now, this story isn't really about gin at all. It's about what strategy do we need? Sometimes we think, I want to go there and this is obviously the way to go. And sometimes I think God says, actually, it's not. Actually, you're going to have to learn to do something maybe you don't want to do. Maybe that's not even in your heart to do. Because... That's where you want to go. And so I was thinking about this and I was thinking about our aims and our, you know, what are my aims and thinking about the strategy and all those kind of things. And then I started thinking about Jesus. And I thought about Jesus and I thought, Jesus, what was your aim? You know, I was thinking, what was Jesus' aim? And do you know what? As I started thinking about that, I became so humbled so thoughtful to think about what his aim was. This is what I think Jesus' aim was. Jesus' aim was to set the captives free. That's the aim of his life to set the captives free and I was one of them. I was one of them. His aim was to see people have eternal life. His aim was that we should be with God forever. His aim was that we should know God and walk with God all of our lives. That's what his aim was. And do you know what Jesus' strategy was? Death. That was the strategy. Strategy was that he would pour out his life. Every day of his life, he would pour out his life. He would go and heal people that were sick. He would pour out his life to the people that nobody else loved and nobody else liked. He would say, "Uh, the strategy is that I'm gonna die so that you so that the aim can happen so that you can be free don't you think that's a, i was i was reading in of course it says in um in Luke it says this when the days drew near for him Jesus to be taken up he set his face to go to Jerusalem Jesus that was Jesus aim and strategy he set his face to Jerusalem okay so some some translation says He set his place like flint. Do you know why that was? He knew that's where he was going to die. He knew that Jerusalem was the place that he was going to die and he needed determination and he needed courage at that point to say, I'm going there. Like an arrow to the target. I'm going there and it's going to kill me and it's going to cost me. And so then, of course, I start thinking myself about what my aim is in life. And what my strategy is. Because do you know what? I want to have the same aim as Jesus. I want to have the same aim as him. Which is to pour, which is to see the captive set free, to see people free. My aim is to tell everybody the good news. My aim is not to get fitter this year. My aim is to see people set free. Not just here, but in our community, in the world. What's, my, and what's the strategy? I'm sorry, guys, but the strategy is that you pour out your life. You pour out your life. That's the, that's the strategy I watched. You give everything to your, to your community, to God, everything. And I am so challenged by that. Because we can be so like, this is what we're, we're going to do this. And I'm like, Jesus, he gave it everything. He poured out his life. Death. Means dying to ourselves. That's what it means. It means dying to ourselves. But you know what Jesus says? You die to yourself and you will truly live. You will truly live. You die to the stuff in you that rages and wants stuff for yourself and you will truly live. And so today, I just would say, what are we aiming for? What are we aiming for? Is it what we should be aiming for? What's our strategy? What 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 are we going to go for? Um, I, I often think uh, uh, for us as a church. I think about do you know like what is going on with the music in the church is amazing, and I say thank you to God for that. I my heart is that that would uh, be released in. Uh, the world that's what my heart really is that the things that I, we're experiencing here we would be able to release those things into a wider place than right here that's that's what my dream would be and my dream is that we see release all the way through you know not just in the music but in everything that we see that release um i'm gonna pay you one last thing um which is from The Hunger Games, okay? So, um, I, I, who, who's watched The Hunger Games? Anyone? Some of you have watched The Hunger Games. So, okay, uh, The Hunger Games, the premise is that, you know, it's in the future and uh, there uh, there is a world that is very oppressive and there are the baddies and they oppress everybody and they dictate what happens and uh, there's uh, there's there are people in the Hunger Games. One of them is Katniss Everdeen, and she is a rebel in that that world. And she's like, I'm not going to bow to the what the, what everybody is telling me to. I'm go- I want to see freedom. I want to see people set free. I don't want to live in this dictatorship. I want to see people set free. And so the premise of the Hunger Games is that they have a um, a game and you, you know, you have to fight each other and you have to kill each other and that's the game. And uh, I'm going to show you a bit that Katniss Everdeen um, does with her bow and arrow, which is where she stops fighting with the people around her and she does something very different. Let's watch it. Okay, so there, what happens? Let's stand up, shall we? What happens is Katniss Everdeen um, decides that she's going to put her arrows up to the place that has been oppressing them. And so she shoots her arrow up to that place. And I I just pray, I am praying that we are, each one of us here, that we know that we are arrows in the hand of God. We are arrows in his hand. We are like the arrows that they say in Isaiah that is like in the... kept in in the pouch behind his back and ready to shoot. Ready to shoot. And I pray that those arrows fracture the darkness. I pray that those arrows fracture... Uh, You know, I want my life to fracture the darkness and to bring light. That's what I want to do. I want to be an arrow in the hand of God and see that happen.